Hi, Sloan here. Congratulations for making it to another episode of the Free Money Podcast. That's no small accomplishment in these trying times, what with the apocalypse and all. Um, in this episode, we talk about sex work. In particular, we talk about why the finance industry is so skeeved out about it and what that means for platforms like OnlyFans, which now seems likely to pivot away from a dominant position in adult entertainment due to various operational impediments that we'll examine. We also made good on our promise last week to deliver a few new segments. So this week, instead of begging you for an uncritical five-star review, I'm going to ask for your thoughtful feedback. Do you like hearing about our gardens? Our entrepreneurial exploits? Do you miss guests? Should we have more pirate-like characters? Tell us the truth. Help us make a better podcast for you. Send us an email at freemoneypod at gmail.com with, you know, your expletive-laden commentary on what we're doing wrong. Or, um, you know, a nice poem, maybe, in stanza form about why we're the greatest. Um, it doesn't really need to be either of those things. You can just write a regular email. Um, we'll just be glad to hear from you. Um, without further ado, here's Sharkbait, and enjoy the episode. Ahoy, free money podcast listeners! I'm Sharkbait Buckley, the Disclosure Pirate. And I'm here to set ye straight about what's going on with this here show. Sloan Ortel works for Invest Vegan LLC, a New York registered investment advisor. Ashby Monk works for Stanford University, Adapar, Future Proof, Long Game, and various startups. All opinions expressed by either Sloan or Ashby are entirely their own, and do nay reflect the opinions of their crew or any company. Clients of Invest Vegan may maintain positions in securities and strategies discussed in this podcast. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Invest Vegan and its representatives are properly licensed or exempted and a client agreement has been executed. Arr. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Welcome to the Free Money Podcast. It's another one. It's another one. We're doing another one. Here we one. are. <laughs> <laughs> Without cravings this time? Without cravings. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, you know, we don't want to kind of reinforce these addictive tendencies that capitalism so often just kind of yeah. sucks into people, yeah. you know? Um, so you you may desperately crave it, but we're trying to break you that craving and give you uh, choice. Yeah, yeah. Choi yeah, choice, <laughs> consent, and safety is, is actually really what this episode is all about. <laughs> True. Dude, it's amazing. I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah. Uh, before we jump into the news, though, Sloan, I have to tell you that instead of Los Gatos, mm. you, we, you're kind of co I'm coming to you live from Mordor. <laughs> um, it's funny. I'm reading those books again with my son. Aww. Um, Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Oh, for the uninitiated the trilogy. Uh, and it's all and I and right now Frodo and Sam, as we're reading, are in Mordor, and there's so much discussion of like what the air feels and tastes like, <laughs> and like what the sun looks like. And I have to tell you, I'm reading this shit with Henry at night, and I'm like, that's California right now. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, it, there's smoke. The sun looks all orange. It tastes funky. Anyway, welcome. Come to you live from Mordor. I mean, like it's we finally, you know, usually when you have weird climate stuff happening, I'm we're, we're like, you know, not able to participate fully on uh, on this coast. But um, yeah, over, yeah. Over the course of this weekend, we're having a giant hurricane make landfall in New England for the first time in thirty years. 
I've been so focused on my stuff and a few other things like Afghanistan. Yep. I completely missed your hurricane. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but that's the way the world is. That's the way climate change is, right? It's, it's this bombardment of like crazy, yeah. unusual stuff where you're just like so much of it is unprecedented. Like so much. I mean, you know, you've how long have you been in the Bay Area? A long time. Like, yeah. do you remember it being like Mordor 15 years ago? No, like, <laughs> like we came here in 1980 <laughs> and uh, from 1980 until I went to college in the 90s, like never saw Mordor. Yeah. And, you know, now we've had Mordor like a few times. Like you all saw those pictures of the crazy orange like hellscape from the midst of COVID. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw that one. Yep. From, like yep. these amazing photos because <laughs> the smoke was like up in the, the jet stream instead of being down low. So mm. the funny thing about that one is like, it was actually quite nice. <laughs> it's just the smoke was covering up, was blotting out the sun, if you will. Well, the pollution is what gives you all the good sunsets, you know? I mean, so the, sure. like that, yeah. I think like, you know, in our rush to be all climate neutral or whatever, you know, we're really, we're really missing probably the greatest public art opportunity in the history of mankind. Uh, we are. I am yeah. 100% kidding. <laughs> Please, yeah. I, we, it was like you know you're you're getting worried when you have to back away from your own joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In it's, order it's to like, clarify, I'm like, wait a second. I could totally see like Ron DeSantis being like, look, but the sunsets are beautiful now, guys. Like climate change is not that. Oh. Bad. Oh my God. And there's like part of you that's like, somebody could take this out of context and be, <laughs> you know. Yep, 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 yep. All right, the news. Yes. And by the way, this is a, this is a bit of an abridged uh, free money pod because everybody's on vacation. Yep, yep. But also, and, we couldn't uh, find a guest cool enough to talk about our big topic this week. You know. Uh, yeah, I think people were a little bit daunted yeah. by the uh, pornographic nature. But yeah, <laughs> so I, I stay mean, tuned. And stay tuned. Yeah, and like usually when we say pornographic nature or something, we would be joking. <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, what, what do we got in, in terms of news? The, yeah, the, news, the news. So the news begins with me saying, forget Texas, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is always a great way to start news <laughs> related items. But forget Texas when you're thinking about why you're leaving California because of your tax related uh, issues uh -huh. with the state. Go to Alaska. Uh, because the Alaska Permanent Fund just cranked out a 30% return. That means a and pretty I know good dividend, right? Because, oh, that's the punchline of my <laughs> little joke here. The dividend. So the dividend is going to go through the roof. Now, it's a little bit trickier to do the dividend calculation based on returns alone because it's more complicated. It's actually how much cash is generated in a year. Mm -hmm. But my strong suspicion is the amount of cash is directly related to <laughs> the performance. Those so if you have a 30% return, you're going to have uh, a bigger dividend just by the very nature of the fact that performance is going up. Yep. And so my guess is this is a year, if you were on the fence between spending, you know, the extra two weeks in Alaska to get your um, get your dividend, qualify for your dividend. Mm -hmm. I'd say this is the year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in the context of all the climate stuff, she, <laughs> maybe Alaska. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, maybe that's the spot. Yep. No taxes. You get paid to be there. <laughs> and with performance like this, these dividends are going to get pretty 
pretty big. You can't yeah. afford not to live in Alaska with this these kinds of investments. <laughs> I mean, I think that this is when we'll see like how committed people really are to what I consider like probably the the most like pure sport of the mega rich, which is tax dodging. Um, oh yeah, you know, like oh yeah, and you know, people are like, you know, there was that story like three years ago about a bunch of hedge funds moving to Puerto Rico. Maybe that was like seven years ago. I don't know. What is time? Um, what is time? Yep. But, but like, you know, there's first it was uh, like it was Puerto Rico. It was, you know, everywhere has been a tax haven. The real smart money's hanging out in Alaska. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like all the smart money went to Florida. <laughs> At least when you, that's like oh, that's yeah, where yeah. all the hedge funds are. But now they're like, oh, shit, we moved here and we're getting covid crazy yep yeah um guess what alaska is there's just not that many people so you don't have you don't come into contact anyway that's my well that's the entirety of my alaska pitch and i guess if, you, I if, do, you, if you do, I do get, like juno i I've, I've seen beautiful pictures of there and like i when i was like ski racing as like a, a teen a bunch of the the really cool kids that i knew uh went to go to an annual downhill in alaska which is the Ooh. the resort in north america that has the highest vertical um, I believe, oh, wow. I believe it, that might be, it might be a Canadian place now after someone put in a lift or whatever, but, um, yeah. this was like the event of, uh, of ski racing, um, in the like U S whatever, uh, farm team system. So, um, anyway, good, good vibes. Well, that, well guess what? The performance, the Alaska permanent fund is going to make that place jammed lines, yep. you know, coming out to the lodge. Well, yeah, it's a performance culture, ski racing and investing. You know, it's the same stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they go together. Many of the same people are all doing it yep. and they're in Aspen somewhere. <laughs> anyway, uh, story number two related to a model of investing, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. I can claim some credit over. The collaborative model mm. of investing uh, received another uh, little bit of evidence this week as the um, California State Teachers Retirement System co-invested with the Abu Dhabi Investment Authority and APG in a new energy company called Aravon Energy, and they own 100% of it. Those three, those three uh, uh, funds. Those three funds came together huh. in collaboration to buy 100% of a uh, renewable energy firm hmm. called Aravon. Pretty cool. A Revon or a Raven. I don't a know how to pronounce it. A Revan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was trying to it's do letters. It's ones. letters and they do energy. <laughs> yeah, there's A and R and a V and an N. <laughs> um, but, what, but the interesting thing here is we often talk, we wrote about the collaborative model as like, let's get these big pools of capital together. You can take out entire firms mm -hmm. and then you can like really align interests. Boom. We just saw it. 2.4 billion bucks coming together. And they have an, an expectation to continue to use this team hmm. to ramp these different exposures up. So pretty exciting to see that new model of investing kind of coming forward more. It's all about alignment of interests and peer-to-peer -peer collaboration. And the good news is they're doing it in domains that I think we would all care about, which is renewables. Yeah, that, that you know, and that's so needed. Like I, I actually was spending some time with the uh, financials of like the world's biggest offshore wind company, Orsted, um, which like just hmm. it, like literally yesterday. 
Um, and, uh, you know, this company just cannot refrain from dunking on other sustainability companies because they're, like, they're, they're just like, they're like, yeah, so we used to be carbon intensive. I mean, this is the worst Dutch accent ever, but, uh, we used to be super Keep carbon. Keep going though. Don't stop. Yeah. We used to be super carbon intensive and then we sold everything. And now we all ride bikes to the office. <laughs> it's like sort of a mix of like gay, gay germ, gay Berlin. I don't know. Um, but I thought Dutch, Dutch. I, I was yeah, with you was on kind of, Dutch. I mean, We'll get we'll get we'll get uh, some angry Dutch, but 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 anyway, these guys like you know they're right now they have thirty percent of global uh, the global market for offshore wind, right? Wow! And it's going to grow so fast as a marketplace over the next like you know seven ten years that their capacity that you, their share is going to go down by half. So oh. like, it must go down by half. Um, yeah. And like so that means that there's like just a massive need. It, oh, and and by the way, this company is currently more than three times the size of its closest competitor. Um, wow. You know, so their capacity going down by half means like the most sophisticated operator in this space is not going to be able to service demand. Right. Um, you wow. know, for, for like this giant, and, and they're out here going like, screw it, take the patent, like, like let, we'll train you how to do it. Um, Amazing. You know, so anyway, like the, it seems like, the demand path, like, there's going to be a supply constraint more likely than a demand constraint for, for offshore renewables. Um, That's fascinating. You know, and, and, there, and it's like so a worrisome thing. Like when you're forecasting this, you know, it's like the, one of the scarier things is like, can they, can they handle the growth? Because they're going to have to like, you know, be, they're building now like, you know, maybe 25% of their installed base every year. They're going to have to start building like 30% of their installed. I mean, you know. It, it just gets nuts. It's crazy how much growth we need in that spe that space. Yeah, it, it's and, yeah, it's, it's and how important our community is to actually delivering it. In fact, I think I recall Ontario teachers helped to um, incubate a platform company called Onbaric. Ooh, uh, always great names here in this sector. I know <laughs> it's all word jumbles. I think it's just like they're like, we need a new energy company, and there's like some website that just cranks it out. Yep. Um, and on Barak were the transmission lines out to the offshore winds, mm -hmm. like wind and solar and stuff. And so like, just remember, like you need to put like a pretty thick line out to these places to actually get the energy back on shore. And so there's all of that, you know, all the picks and shovels parts of this, that's going to create opportunity and jobs and, and in, the big long-term investors are kind of positioning around it. It's also really um, interesting too, because like a lot of the the places where you're that are good for in offshore wind in particular. I mean, like we can talk about other other renewables, but um, like they're old fishing towns um, that they're building these things in. So yeah. you know, like the, it's it's like this crazy triple win, especially for a regional pension. Um, you know, like where you're like able to, you know, you you get clean energy, you get jobs, you get you know prosperity, you get conscious consumption. I, I mean, it's just a very nice flywheel. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Next news, final news item before we get to the rant of the day. <laughs> um, our friends over at the Institutional Investor Magazine published an interesting story. Mm. Uh, this one was by Julie Siegel um, on a couple of young kiddos coming out of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. They have launched um, what it looks and feels like a new hedging platform. Mm -hmm. I always get suspicious when people are democratizing yeah, yeah. anything. <laughs> We're taking because institutional like, grade bullshit and making it available to you. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to democratize your ability to pay ridiculous fees and lose lots of money. Uh, <laughs> what? 
That's too good. Oh my god! Is it free trading though? Shut up and take my Is it free trading? Yeah, exactly. Like I don't want to pay any commissions, but I'm fine with doing whatever. But I'm fine with losing all my money so long as it's free trading. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anywho, this one is called Kelshi, and it was fascinating to me because they're positioning this as a risk management platform, and it's special because it has um, CFTC status it's now a regulated entity mm. regulated exchange and it, it in its own words it is building a new asset class what it calls event contracts and i think that is pretty interesting because to be able to invest in the outcomes of events yep. almost sounds slow to me like gambling. It, yeah, I mean, like, like it sounds like I, I think we had these things called prediction markets for a long time. <laughs> so my question that I was going to pose here to you yeah. was, I mean, what is the difference between this kind of an event exchange that lets you invest in hedging instruments and the betting exchanges that allow you to place wagers on the outcomes, aside from this act, of course, that the one, the latter one is illegal in all 50 states, <laughs> but apparently the former one is a, a properly regulated exchange. Yeah. I, I mean, it like, it just, it, it's amazing what you can get away with if you cloak it within the language uh, or you legitimate it within like kind of the investment you know, kind of paradigm, right? Yeah. Like, because you, you, you know, these guys are out here going like, okay, well, you know, actually like hedge fund managers have event risk. Like, you know, if you mix, they, I, I guarantee you they've got a chart somewhere. If they don't, their marketing person, marketing person should be shot. I guarantee you they've got a, a chart that's like, if you miss the three worst days of the year, you outperform the market by whatever, um, you know, where they, they take some sort of impossible, like, uh, you know, prediction type thing and, and kind of go, wow, look how, look how smart you could look if you only did this. Um, and totally. it fits into our popular conception of what it means to be like an asset manager, because, you know, like that in the media, that's like waking up at like 430 and like doing the, the Patrick Bateman thing, like doing the, the skincare routine and, and like uh, a bunch of pushups or whatever, and then getting into the office and being like really aggro about whatever development is coming. Um, I think it's remarkable. I mean, our big story, this this segment is the OnlyFans debacle. Right. Which is where. Yeah. Um, so OnlyFans for the uninitiated. And I know, you know, every, every, you know, probably if you're listening in company, you might be like, oh, I've never heard. What's that website? Um, what is this you know, OnlyFans only website you're speaking of? Yeah, exactly. Is it what? Is this a, a, a ventilation startup? Um, it is, hmm. as everyone knows, synonymous with amateur porn. Um, and like interesting, particularly during the pandemic it became uh, like a, a very popular place for a lot of, you know, kind of porn creators to, to put their stuff, right? Because, you know, obviously it was harder to meet clients in person, um, you know, doing it kind of over the the network has sort of SaaS-like effects where you're, you're sort of uh, able to serve a much lar larger audience, you know, so you have um, a fundamentally better business that you have access to. Um, and then, you know, they just like, became a meme almost that like, okay, well, if we need money, you know, if we're struggling, we'll start an OnlyFans. Um, and we're talking about it this week because they just pivoted away from porn um, mm, after becoming synonymous with the category because they yeah. could not get a payment processor to stop harassing them. 
you know, and this is, you know, a question. I thought it was, I thought the issue was they couldn't get investors. It's that to too. Investment. It's that okay. too. So like basically my chrono- chronology of this, which is like not intensively reported and totally, uh, you know, kind of subjective starts with this thing that happened. But, but, but speak authoritatively. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, like I, I've obviously <laughs> talked to all the power players just because, you know, Bill Ackman and I, you know, we usually meet up at the, at the, you know. There's hedge fund intrigue. Yeah, here. yeah. Go on. We, we usually get together at the hot dog stand on 53rd and Park, uh, you know, just to, to kind of swap stories over Diet Cokes once a week. Um, so a while ago, um, Bill Ackman heard about um, this thing called revenge porn, um, which is okay. super common. And I'm sure all parents have been terrified about this. It's where you're um, like... A person sends their partner compromising pictures for sex reasons. Um, and then perhaps after they break up, um, that stuff is made public as a way of getting back at the partner. Oof. Um, I feel like we had a congresswoman resign because of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, Katie, it, I can't remember her. Yeah, but she's, yeah. she served, I believe, the great state of California. Um, oh, did she? <laughs> um, Bummer. You know, a boundary breaker right there. Um, but like, so the... What what happens is Bill Ackman hears about revenge porn and he go he singles out a company called MindGeek, which is the private holding company behind uh, Pornhub, uh, X Hamster, a bunch like a probably the last time I looked like fifty out of the top uh, like forty five online porn sites are owned by MindGeek. Um, okay, and they were particularly negligent about revenge porn on their platforms. Like they, mm. you know, they, they just didn't do a good job taking it off. And so all this like terrible stuff is happening unwatched. Bill Ackman. How, how big of a company is this, by the way? Just to like, Geek, is this a public company? Is this. If it like... was a public company, it would be like, um, I, it, it would be, probably have like a, a 40 or $50 million, billion dollar market cap. It is gigantic. Billion. Wow. Okay. Um, it, like, Massive. Yeah. I mean, Play, Playboy right now is the largest publicly traded pornographic company or pornographic associated company. Um, and they're more of a lifestyle brand, first of all, at this point. But mm. um, the, I would say Playboy is like the the tick on the ass of MindGeek's elephant in this industry. Wow. Um, okay. You know, so uh, it's impossible to overstate their influence. Um, Bill Ackman happens to hold a huge position, I think, in Mastercard. Um, so he gets the, the CEO of Mastercard on the phone and says, "Hey, we need to put pressure on MindGeek." to start enforcing, you know, better controls over, um, you know, over this revenge porn stuff, right? Okay. And so these payment processors, as a result, ratchet up the scrutiny over the entire adult industry, right? Interesting. Um, A lot of this has to do with some regulation called FOSTA-SESTA, which is why Craigslist took their porn classifieds down. Um, basically it, hmm. uh, it, it was a allegedly human trafficking stuff. A lot of anti-sex work, uh, activism winds up being kind of cloaked in anti-trafficking, um, because there's a presumption that no one would willingly be a sex worker. Um, anyway, um, a long way of saying, so the, the, the sort of, you know, butterfly flapping its wings four months ago was Bill Ackman making this call to Pornhub. Now, fast forward to later, you know, OnlyFans, one of the fastest growing user generated content platforms on the planet, right, in the era of the influencer, right, which I cannot stress enough, um, you know, like, is 
unable to attract a serious round, round of venture capital because of this increasing scrutiny from payment processors, right? Interesting. Um, so like, I, I really have kind of three disappointments here, right? Um, okay. You know, the, the first is it's too hard to pivot payment processors, right? There's this duopoly, Visa and MasterCard, that have seemed to be both pissed off at the adult industry. And like, it literally, the management of this company has, has decided to pivot away from adult stuff in order to attract investors. And in, in effect going, what we're gonna do instead of, you know, fixing this plumbing issue about getting paid, we're gonna change our entire business fundamentally from the ground up. <laughs> executing a strategic thing that has never worked and been tried recently by Tumblr. Uh, you know, like, and mm. the, so like, that's, that's really, you know, kind of thing one is like, we have this payments plumbing that is seemingly so hard for people to use that it's, that this is a legitimate business decision that people might make. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, like, I would imagine that it would be easier from a technical perspective to simply accept Bitcoin. Um, you know, interesting. Like, yeah. You know, especially if you already haven't attracted institutional investors. Um, right. Do you know, did they have venture capitalists on their cap table? Um, I, I didn't see anyone huge. The person who started okay. it has been around for a while. Um, okay. you know, and, but like, you know, this company is like set to make 2.2 .2 billion in free cash flow next year, uh, Jesus. 2022, like that, you know, if it, if it continues, it's current. I mean, now of course it won't because it has to, it pivots away or it's pivoting away. Yeah, no, it's going to be a completely different business. It's going to be a completely different business. I mean, it reminds me of, of cannabis. I mean, yeah. I, maybe that's the wrong parallel, but but like these are legal industries mm -hmm. that are, you know, really struggling with the, the financial pipes yep. that um, are kind of stuck in antiquated ways of thinking. And I'm, I remember California was even thinking about, and maybe they did, to, to set up like a bank for for cannabis firms so that they could at least put their money somewhere, not in a mattress, you know, yeah. all this cash being, you know, cause a lot of the can like the thing about cannabis, unlike only fans is it's, it's physical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You can't do cannabis over online, <laughs> you know, like that'd be sweet if you could, but, uh, um, exactly. so, so there's cash that it was all not like for a long time, it was just a cash business. Yeah. So that was a big problem. Um, I'm going to let you finish your final two before I offer any other. You, you said you had three well, things. So I, mean, I want to let the, you do it. The, the intermediate one is too scary to get. Too, it's too hard to get investors, which you know I, I want to talk yeah. to you more about. But yeah. really, the thing that pisses me off the most about this is it's too scary to be itself, um, right? Like it's there. Here we are in this situation where a corporate strategic decision has been taken that will be massively yeah. destructive to not only the community that the business has been set up to serve, right? The sex workers are now like, mm -hmm. well, shit, I invested a whole bunch of money getting set up on OnlyFans. This is my livelihood. I've been paying my rent this way. And you're telling me that in October, it's going to be gone. Um, you know, um, so there's that impact, you know, and why did that need to happen? It had to happen because whoever's sitting there in the management chair, um, you know, kind of wants to be able to interact with the broader financial system and, and doesn't feel comfortable operating this business for whatever reason outside of um, you know, kind of the norm and, and like that, that, that's my main sadness about this whole thing is that, you know, it, it just couldn't be allowed to continue operating and funding. I mean, again, $2.2 .2 billion in free cash flow. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, no, uh, I mean, like, it's funny because you, 
we it, this is the other side of the arguments that I often make on yep. climate or yep. things like that, where you know we're like, look, these asset owners, these investors, these fiduciary bound folks, like they have a right to express the desires and, and requirements of their stakeholders. Yep. And, and so in certain cases, like their um, license to operate is a function of not backing coal companies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the alternative here, I think what you're saying is like, look, there are moments when like those fiduciary bound investors are wrong. <laughs> I think you're saying, you yeah, tell me well, or, or like, but, I, but the, the just final thought, which is um, they are misunderstanding what's happening here and they're creating a value judgment on the sex work yeah. without recognizing that like, you know, th this is an old profession. First of all, it's going to carry on no matter what. And maybe this type of a platform could have brought it into a safer, secure, you know, like, you know, a, a kind of more modern incarnation of it that protects the people in a different way. And like all the stuff that you would say, like, look, in the old days, people used to stick their fingers out and hitchhike. Yeah. And now they do Uber. And yes, you know, there's there's new challenges that come with that. But is, aren't, isn't bringing this data into like the light of day and helping to like manage the outcomes, the right process. I, I feel like that that's an argument that... um could be accepted by the community of long-term investors hmm. and that they would, they would then kind of turn around and say, you know, like the, the things you're, you applied to the, you know, the Craigslist human trafficking, like maybe that's not the same like, like lens to view this, but I just don't honestly know enough yeah. to, to like weigh in. And I think that's also part of the problem. Well, a I lot of these ESG teams are being asked to weigh in on munitions and climate and gender and have a view on OnlyFans. And it's just that's a frankly, lot of stuff. too much. It's a lot of that's too much for like one person on the ESG team to give advice to their managers on. I, I mean I, I think like one of the big questions about ESG criteria, you know, and I'm saying this is like someone who's like drawn up and like built a is building a business around like probably the most exclusionary ESG criteria on the remind people what you're building. Yeah. In case yeah. But, last time. Yeah. Building a vegan investment advisor, which has a, you know, basically a two and a quarter page, single spaced exclusion list of like, you know, all sorts of things that are bad. But like, I, I think the question is, are you punching up or punching down with your exclusionary investing? Right. Um, like with, you know, divesting from oil, divesting from coal, um, you know, enacting activism on behalf of gender, making, you know, investment decisions and partnership decisions on the basis of the diversity of the team. Like those are all things that are done to elevate and restore um, and build equity among among people where um, like, you know, this, the, you know, sex work is this unfortunate case where like, you know, I happen to know uh, a number of sex workers because I'm a member of the trans community and like, a lot of trans people do survival sex work and a lot more of them do sex work because they're good at it and hot, um, you know, and that, sure. and like those people are, you know, are doing a lot of really good work for, for people and, and providing a very valuable service, you know, um, and like, I don't feel like I'm in a position to fully characterize the implications of it, having spoken with multiple sex workers and like, you know, um, sure. Like the, and, you know, I think within, you know, we talk all the time about you want to do something, you want to get fired from your pension job, do something innovative, do something innovative. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, 
um, you know, I mean, can you imagine going to like, you know, your boss at, I don't know, pick an arbitrary pension fund, uh, like the, and, and being like, you know, I think that we should really build, build a coalition and make a statement on behalf of sex workers, you know, yeah. like, and it's I hard. do, I do think we should do that. Like, you know, and like, I do think that's important to like get people together and be like, Hey, look, this is valid, honest work, but it, you know, there's so much capacity building intellectually that needs to be done in order to get people into a place where they're willing to stand out it's like that way we might even call this like the incognito world yep. of investment management because you know it it's like from the very beginning the internet was like powered and and driven by a lot of this pornographic kind of intent even if it wasn't pure porn yeah um and so it, it it's very difficult to like bring the the world to come like reconcile all of this. Like the fact that like it is driving huge revenue, it drives huge eyeballs. Yep. And and um, you know how do, how do we manage all of it? So I I don't have like a great response other than like it benefits raising, which is what we're doing. Yeah. There was nobody. There was nobody like. I wonder who we could bring on to like give us an interesting like perspective on this. Like you mentioned Tumblr, like you yeah. know, you know. I mean, I, the it, great it's I, the I mean, great Yahoo. Uh, I, if anybody in the listenership wants to like get on the phone with OnlyFans management and lead a Series C, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, that, then they should they by you know just dint of their past actions automatically get a free money podcast invite. Um, uh, mm. you know, they would, I mean, but like I, the, I mean, that would be my ideal guest would be somebody who has like a basis in, you know, I mean, like you were talking about, I think we were talking before we turned on the recording about the Norwegian approach to, to these things where they, you know, yeah. um, like they have the ability to kind of assert Norwegian social values in their investment yeah. policy statement, you know, there's I, an ethics council that yeah. like actually has influence through the Ministry of Finance, what the central bank gets to invest in. Yeah. The central bank manages the the Norwegian sovereign fund, but the Ministry of Finance has the governance. And so in there are a council of experts that get to say, you don't get to invest in palm oil. You don't get to invest in, uh, you know, Israeli expansion into Palestinian territories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't get to invest in coal. Like these are all things that Norway's sovereign fund has made a values judgment on and is out in the world divesting from these companies. Yeah. And so like I myself have said, look, it, this is their capital, right? And, and it's a function of that social democracy that this capital exists and it's out investing. And so they, they get to have a say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, what you're saying is I want to inform what that say is a little bit more thoughtfully. Well, yeah, and like, and I want somebody who's like, like, I would love, I mean, my like dream, you know, uh, like last week I was like, what's the best news item you could imagine happening? Yeah. Really show, which is like, which is a cruel thing to ask. Um, but I have an answer to it this week, which is somebody who's uh, like a pension that's able to do direct investing, first of all, right? That's, yep. that's like level one, reaches sure. out, like thinks about its social mandate and goes, you know what? There might be an opportunity here that we're missing. And then rides to the the rescue of sex workers everywhere. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I mean, like that would be like uh, you know if Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. I was going to say have a, have a baby, but that would actually be terrifying. Is the Easter Bunny 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Things there that are pretty horrific. Yeah, like, um, but yeah, if, if Santa Claus and anyway, Mr. had a baby in a good way, uh, yes, that would be that would positive. Be yeah, that would be a fantastic outcome, and uh, yeah, great, great to raise that as an issue because I think we are kind of constantly focusing on these SDGs and yep. ESGs and and sustainabilities. <laughs> and it doesn't always um, flow through to all of the challenging issues out there. And, you know, the millions of people in this industry had found a home on this kind of safe platform. Yeah. And and it's it's going to be gone. So, and it's going to be gone. Well, yeah. For them, it's gone. It'll be around for the the baseball card club or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it's I mean, it's just going to fade into obscurity like Tumblr did. But um I don't have anything, anything more to say about OnlyFans. Should we move to the next segment? <laughs> yeah, we're launching a new segment, oh. so we need a new jingle. Oh! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> we're full all of right. new jingles. We got the pirate on the top. We got it all. Uh, Dude, um, I'll introduce this one. Mm -hmm. Sloan has become an entrepreneur with her vegan uh, asset manager. And so here we are on... Uh, batshit crazy things that happen to the world um, of entrepreneurs on a week-to-week -week basis. So Sloan, what batshit crazy thing happened to you this week that you had to solve? Um, well, so, you know, the thing, I, I guess the batshit crazy thing I'm handling right now is a CRM system, which is a whole, which is a bear and a can, total mm -hmm. can of worms. Mm -hmm. um, because there, there's a mix of like identifying an ideal client experience that needs to come into that, right? Where you're like, okay, yes. so what does it look like to talk to this firm? Um, you know, but then there's also just a bunch of smooching software together, like in the sky. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, and it feels like this, like, um, just, just kind of never ending cycle of being like, oh yeah, well I got my scheduling tool and I got to connect it to my calendar tool and I got to, <laughs> and I got to, yeah, well, by, by the time you like get all the software you need to start your business, like you have to go raise more money Yep. because it's pretty wild how much you need. The good news is you don't have to build it yourself. Yes. So that's nice. But there is a lot out there that you have to smoosh together, uh, the technical term. <laughs> and, um, and good for you for doing it. I mean, I think when you're talking about like finding a CRM, uh, you know, I've never met somebody happy with a CRM system. Yeah. In fact, like it, people are constantly trying to displace Salesforce because they just don't love it. I opened up um, Salesforce for a demo and I was just like, I, I, I just could not, I mean, like it felt like, um, I don't know, like trying to use a, a cell phone or a keyboard that's like where the alphabet's in Cyrillic. I mean, it, it just, yeah, you know, I, it, it's just not. Intuitive. It doesn't really fit for the asset owner community. Mm. Uh, I know you're an asset manager, so mm. you're going to go sell stuff. <laughs> And the asset owner, where we have the capital, yeah, and we have a bunch of people trying to sell us stuff. It's very different engagement that we want to do with the CRM, which isn't perfectly suited to that sales force yeah. mentality. Yeah, exactly. We have capital deployment mentality, so we need to start a company that helps capital allocators. Mm. Ted Seides will build this. <laughs> uh, actually deploy that capital more effectively. So that's a different type of network function. Mm. Um, the other thing, for me, the thing that's crazy, which is just constantly crazy every week, but I'm only going to say it one time, how hard it is to recruit talented engineers. Oh, I mean, yeah. the whole like, you know, 
difficulty of filling jobs in minimum wage. Like just wait until you try to like hire a front end engineer. Oh my God. Like it's like millions of dollars for some 22 year old. Yep. I mean, Um, that's the crazy shit in my world. Just recruiting is constant. It's hard. And then they get poached once you get them and trained up and then they're gone. And then you got to start again and you just want to die. It's, you know, it's, it's, so Claire just found a new, uh, software engineering gig and the, you know, it's like the, the company that she, uh, that has made her not, I won't say the, the name because, you know, it hasn't all been signed or whatever, but, um, they did this really cute thing where, uh, like we were driving to Costco when they called up with, and made the offer and they all chimed in, like all the people that she interviewed with chimed in and were like, hi, I thought you were really smart and cool. And I would love to work with you, <laughs> you know, like they, they had like literally everyone just be like, yeah, here, let me give you a wave of affirmation before we get to the salary number. Um, which like, I mean, that definitely underlines the uh, overall, I mean, they would not be doing that if it was easy to re- attract and and, uh, and retain talented engineers. Yeah, no, it's a battle out there. And uh, especially as the COVID, it's like a triple up theory yep. as like the, the COVID money that, everybody gets in the lower ranks, like people aren't going back to work. It's really hard to fill those jobs. And it's like, everybody is paying up. Yeah. I think across the whole economy, which then leads to people saying there may be inflation and all this, but look, that's the crazy shit. That's the bad shit crazy this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and like, and I guess, you know, by getting it out of the way at the front, you never have to think about recruiting again. Right. Ha ha ha. Um, that, I think uh, that does it for the crazy. This is the new segment. We want your feedback on it, but you know, <laughs> we have like a Ew. we have an established brand here. We have an established. We brand. do. We have an old segment. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, as is tradition, I beg you for a five star review, please. You know, go accost a stranger, take take their uh, take their phone, rate our podcast five stars on on um, on the your your favorite app store, but. In this segment, Please do. just do it, just do it. Um, in this segment, we take uh, questions from listeners and you should send us one. It's uh, freemoneypod at gmail.com. Um, or if you go to freemoneypodcast.com, there's like a cute little form that I made that you can submit your question with. Um, so the first question we have is like, you know, pretty good. You're, I, I think you're not allowed to say your own book in response to this. Uh, God dang it. <laughs> but what's the most underrated investment book you're aware of? Uh, under that I believe is underrated. I look, I think this, there's like an objective, like, oh, there is a a fantastic book that has low stars. Um, I I think for me, there's two that I just subjectively believe are underrated because I love them (laughs) and I had to kind of have them recommended to me by random people. Mm. Um, one is, um, A Man for All Markets, which is about Edward Thorpe. So cool. And like, you know, he was like the um, contemporary of like James Simons and and Rentec and like just like a math guy coming out of Princeton. It was just he he was also like we've all heard of like those MIT guys that like went and and beat Vegas. Yep, like he did that. Yep, like that was what he did before um, he built a hedge fund. So I, I just read that book and like I got into it because I felt like it was an obligation. By the end, I was like, this is super fun. I can't wait to like pick that book up. The second one, which is freaking nuts, is a book called The King of Oil, The Secret Lives of Mark Rich. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Mark Rich, um, 
is a pretty famous dude who was like, you know, in the Clinton era and, you know, he was a huge tax evasion, but like he's the world's best commodity trader basically. Yeah. And so when you're trading commodities, you're dealing with Cuba, Iran, <laughs> Venezuela, all the nicest people on earth. Yeah. And he played the game between Israel, Iran, all of them. And some of the stories in there, it's wild. It's like pure spies and, um, you know, things like that. And, you know, he was doing it from Switzerland in a commodity trading firm, training firm. So it was just of those two books. I mean, maybe they're actually very well known and I didn't know that, mm. but you pick those up on the beach in August, you're, you'll finish them. They're very good. That's, 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 that's a very good, uh, the list. I, I haven't read either of them, but I've heard praise from smart people. Uh, my recommendation is how to profit from the coming rapture. Um, oh yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> we can use Kanchi. What was it called? Kalshi. The, the event contract. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> what, a, what an amazing, uh, uh, don't you just love dude, it when we're going to use event together? contracts for the rapture. This is like a way to like, they're asymmetric bets. Yeah. With with like highly religious people, <laughs> we can create a whole series of like uh, <laughs> amazing payoffs. <laughs> I mean, the like, I love the, so the subtitle of this book is Getting Ahead When You're Left Behind. And the, the supposition is that like everyone, like the good people will get raptured and you, a sinning piece of crap, will be left on earth trying to profit from what's happened. Um, My God. And, it, you know, honestly, like, you know, I bring it up because it's hilarious, but also because it's such a context break, um, you know, for people. Because, like, I, I think that when, you know, there's so much normative stuff about how portfolios are constructed, you know, like you, you have to not deviate from the S&P sector weight or whatever. Um, but when you get to thinking about the apocalypse, it's like, I need a portfolio of heirloom seeds, uh, spare parts, and like, uh, I don't know, like fabric and sewing machines. Um, totally. You know, you're investing in different things. I can't believe this is a real book, by the way. It's a like, I thought great you book. My I'm, not, I'm totally not going to give I wouldn't lie. Like, that's hilarious. <laughs> Ugh. All right. All right. So this is, uh, you know, the question of the era in some ways. Are okay. you worried about inflation? If not, when would you start worrying about inflation? I'm worried. I don't know enough to like be dangerous in this topic, but I'm worried because all these smart people who are dangerous mm. are worried as heck. Yeah. Um. I, you know, like the way I deal with this stuff in my own world is I I invest in equities and and other things that seem to like move with inflation. Yep. And so, so like if in your retirement accounts, you're just like, you know, tilted towards equities instead of fixed income, you, you should be okay. Like prices are going to go up. Hopefully stock prices follow them. Um, that's the same for houses. And, and so, yeah, I think like smart people I know are pretty freaked out that we're going to enter a high batch of inflation, mm -hmm. but at the same time, like. Are they so freaked out that they're doing like massive things about it? Not really. Yeah. I mean, the moves I see happening are accumulations of cash for the inevitable correction that's coming in the markets. Mm. Um, and I do see like interest in certain like Forex type trading strategies. I just feel like a lot of people are like building overlays and things like that. that mm. I wouldn't expect for long-term investors, but they're doing it.
around like forex volatility I mean, so maybe that has to do with like liability management and making mm -hmm. sure that you know if the world blows up in the next little bit like you have the uh the cash in your currency yep. if you're you know dutch or whatever yep. um swedish danish australian mm. new zealand like it's all the those liabilities are priced in domestic currencies um and so i mean i guess some some of those are in the eu that i just mentioned but so uh those sweden i don't is sweden on the euro i don't think they I, are or maybe i think they're i think they're the kroner still yeah, I think they are. Yeah, so they're not on it. But the, the Netherlands and Denmark are probably on the Euro. I should know that. <laughs> I, I think my mind got opened about it. Like, I used to think that inflation mo fear mongering was just people like blowing, spreading FUD about the Fed. Um, you know, and like, like literally, you know, there's that trope of like active managers who hate the Fed because, the, you know, they now, then, now they can't short, uh, you know, stuff well or, or you know, whatever. Uh, or they can't buy stocks at three times earnings anymore. Um the, you know, at one point I was talking to someone from Turkey and my old gig at CFA and yeah. we were talking about investor education and like the, you know, it's really interesting to go to those international conferences because, you know, in the States, it's like, how do we get people to stop speculating on stuff? And in Turkey, it's like, well, you don't understand the adolescence of the entire adult population was shaped by a period of hyperinflation, the likes of with which the earth has never seen. Yeah, um, <laughs> you, you know, so Turkish lira was like synonymous yeah. with inflation, right? Like yeah. if we think back to that, like when we were growing up, like oh, it's like Turkish lira. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Like, it's, it's like the biggest, but and, and these, you know. So he's like, look, you're, we're just trying to like get people to realize that equities exist and aren't the scariest thing in the world. Um, yeah, you know, and I think that kind of trauma has a lingering response that really, you know, kind of flows into the way people react to to stuff like you know if you've been touched by it um anyway makes sense yeah, yeah. um be afraid speaking of the, the most touchy-feely friendly people in the world um this listener asks do you think it's all likely at all likely that the taliban has liberalized oh. over the next <laughs> over the last two decades must be a frequent listener yeah that was my that was there's my range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, my he's range like, of knowledge. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, like Ashby Monk, you know, Taliban expert. Taliban <laughs> expert. <laughs> you know, based on, hey, based on your many contacts. I take all questions. No, there's no dumb questions. Your, your contacts. Are the I'm going to provide a dumb answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have, a, I have a. This gives you know because I have no real clue. This <laughs> gives me a. This gives me a chance to try out some uh, tinfoil hat type. Uh, theorizing, mm. which is, which is, so it all came down so fast and so brutally. I, let me try this one on you, Sloan. Mm. Um, Cause I got my, got a little take here. I was wondering if there's a, there's a story here that is we, we in effect in quotes, lose Afghanistan yep. to the Taliban, which gives the Taliban confidence and courage to come out of the shadows of their communities to take these roles publicly, right? Mm -hmm. So for a long time, we didn't know who that, they were like part of the communities, right? Yeah. So we were trying to, you know, go have these fights in these places and, and get the Taliban out. Pretty hard to figure out when they're all part of the community and aren't mm -hmm. like walking around with a sign that says Taliban on them. Yeah. And so part of me and seeing things play out the way it did, just so devastatingly fast and like almost purposefully, yeah. like, bad you know like sorry you watch some of the videos and you're like how is this possible that we allowed this to happen yeah and 
then my brain is like, can I reconcile this? So I'm like, try, you know, this is like the, all the five stages of grief here, maybe <laughs> coming through, but, but part of me is like, they're going to have to come out and identify themselves. They're going to have to, to take power. Yep. They have to own the power. And then all of a sudden, maybe the roles change where you have a populace that has been, you know, they've had freedom. Um, they've got radio, they've got TV, they've got women's rights, they've got education, and you've got some real antiquated dudes, and they're all dudes, yep. um, taking power, and they've had to self-identify. And so now they're the targets of the pot shots, and mm. they're having to defend themselves against the guerrilla enterprise. And oh, by the way, like we're just noting down who everybody in the Taliban is. And, you know, the U.S., does what the U.S. likes to do and did in the Soviet Union by kind of waging rather than a hot war. It's more mm. of a Cold War kind of effort. Anyway, that's my conspiracy mm. theorizing for you, Sloan. I don't know what you think of that. You know, it, the conspiracy theorizing uh, is definitely, I think, warranted here. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, we just had the defense secretary contradict the president of the United States in the press. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, like, literally, like literally moments ago, you know, so oh, really? yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, are you reading your Twitter feed while we're on this podcast? Oh, I, well, no, it was, I would never do that. That, that. that was, you know, I've got, you know, I've got my notes up only, geez. No, that's um, sweet, sweet, sweet. The, uh, these guys, like, but these guys, um, you know, basically, you know, are going back and forth. I mean, there's gotta be a, a deeper story. And part of me wants to believe that it's like a 4d chess game. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah they're playing four dimensional chess. Yeah. And I, they're sick of getting shot at and having our troops blown up. And why not flip the script on them? Oh, we lost so fast. But then Taliban, why don't you tell us who you are and like take over and like you get every city. But guess what? You got to put your most important people in charge of the cities yeah. and tell us who those most important people are. It's like, oh, you Guys. want oh, you want to run you want to run Afghanistan so much? All right. Yeah, um, have it. It yeah. ain't easy. It's expensive. Yeah. You know, enjoy yourself. I mean, so th th I think that like Trump fans though would often resort to four dimensional chess when he was obviously fucking something up. <laughs> so, sorry. Yeah, like I'm trying to be a little bit more self aware here and say, look, I started this with a tinfoil hat. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm acknowledging that <laughs> you know there there could be a chance. And as much as I know about government, a likely chance that we just fuck this up royally. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But there's also part of me that is like, we, even if this is a big fuck up, which it is, it looks like, mm -hmm. there's there's the, like a, an interesting outcome here, which is like, again, 20 years in, these guys have to come out of the shadows to take power. We're going to know who they are. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and like maybe that's useful so that all these people that supported the Taliban in private, in secret, mm. will then have to come out and say, oh, by the way, I'm here. This is who I am because I need to now benefit from this. Well, anytime you're extracting the benefit, you're kind of outing yourself. So mm. we'll see. I, yeah, I, I hope that we are that the, the Afghani folks are successful at pushing back on any Taliban attempts to grab power. I mean, like. Um, I hope so, too. All we can do. Just, I mean. Yeah. Women's rights, you know, equal, all <sighs> the stuff. My gosh. Yeah, it's really, I mean, you know, but like, uh, I mean, I think it's good that we were, it's a thorny problem that we were actually able to do something about, like infrastructure. Um, you know, so like the, you know, for the longest time, American policy has been ignore the bad things and, you know, talk about how trans yeah. people can't, you know, shit indoors. Um, you know, and to like move away from, 
you know, just like that to, you know, actually taking out the trash and, and, you know, getting, getting out of some of our, um, our bad foreign commitments. Um, yeah, 20 years and 2.2, wait for it, trillion dollars. Yeah. Plus like 250,000 Afghan lives. Um, yeah, like, you know, and, and, and also many American lives, but 250,000. <sighs> But yeah, that's I just uh, wish it didn't feel like we completely fucked it up, you know, because too many people died. Yeah. It just hurts. Yeah, that's the part that's super painful. It's you know, it it winds Which me... is why I resort to F four D chess. F to four D chess. Yeah. I, I mean yeah, I have... there's the stages of grief that are just getting me, you know. Mm, like I, I sort of rationalized. I was there on nine eleven, right? I was in New York, right? It was like you know, I and I was like, go get these bad guys. I, yeah, I mean, I was in seventh grade. We had like flags on our car. We were like, I remember watching cable TV after nine eleven, being like, fuck yeah. And then there's that song about like you know we're gonna put a boot in your ass. Uh, that country <laughs> song that came out after that, like it was. Well, put oh, a boot there was in some your bad. Ass. It's the there American some... way, you know, like yeah, it was. It was. I remember like a Julio Iglesias or his son uh, <sighs> doing a song that had like cut clips to yeah. the disaster, yeah. like the planes hitting, and you would just be listening to like K Rock, <laughs> and then you would like have your song with clips intermixed with nine eleven disaster <sighs> scenes. And do you that, remember that? I, I do. I do not remember that. That's terrible. <laughs> okay. yeah, no, you were in seventh grade. Yeah, I remember walking around <laughs> yeah. New York, being like, "I can't believe they're doing this." Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, well, on that note. Yeah. Like, so our last segment, gardening. I mean, this is a lot of segments. oh, gardening. Yeah. Shit, yeah. yeah. I mean, what's going on in your garden? You know, did you get yourself some biochar? Oh fuck! I haven't got my biochar. I gotta. <sighs> I gotta get into that. Do you even like um, your plants? I'll right? tell you what I did this week with my daughter. Ooh. We got way too many tomatoes and vegetables because I'm so good at gardening. <laughs> And I am in the process of doing some pickled, pickled oh, veggies. That's so cute. Yeah. You pick yeah, like so we're going to cute whatever in like nine weeks time. I'll report back on my pickled veggies and pepper, you know, Aww. tomatoes, pepper. I put tomato. Can you pickle tomatoes? Cause I'm pickling them. I think you can pickle anything. Okay, uh, sweet. You, you can pick, I mean like that, you know, there's a Portlandia skit about that actually. Oh, really? I'll check it we out. Can pickle that. We can pickle that. <laughs> we can pickle that. <laughs> Well, yeah, so we're pickling it. We're pickling tomatoes and peppers and I'll report. So that's my big event this mm. week in the garden. I am mostly preparing for the impact of a hurricane on my rooftop garden, which, uh, <laughs> Ew. you know, like, yes. given that like li it's literally tied together with twine in many instances, because I wanted everything to be like biodegradable and like, sure. Um, yeah. You know, so my like trellises are twine or recycled or whatever. Um, so there's a potential for widespread havoc after we get, you know, 80 mile an hour winds <laughs> making landfall. So well, good luck I mean. with that. Yeah. I also, my little cannabis plants have grown up and I, 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 I potted one on today, which is pretty big news. Oh yeah. It's, it's amazing. I, yeah. My, like uh, you grew a pot plant and pulled a bud off of it. I haven't, but I haven't pulled a bud off of it yet, but, um, I, I have one that's like about the size of it's, it's like maybe, you know, four and a half inches high and like, you know, um, you know, a couple inches and there's some smaller ones too, but, hmm. um, they're really cute plants. Like I, I, yeah, I just, those leaves are, it's like when you see the pot leaf, you're like, wait, is that the Canadian fricking flag? Yeah, exactly. And, and they, you're like, no, actually that's a maple leaf, but it's like, not that, you know, they're, they're, they're gorgeous. And they're beautiful, long lasting flowers. Um, yeah, oh, really? anyway, that's my I news. Didn't know that. All right, that's great news. And Look, we've got two new segments on the show mm. today. We had the crazy shit that mm. entrepreneurs do. We should come up with a better name. 
and what's new in the garden? Um, we got to maybe we could take some user suggestions on jingles. Yep. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Or characters. So that we can break it up. You know, yeah. people are like, oh, there's the jingle for the garden. I mean, What's going, you know? yeah, we, we, we got, and we have like, you know, the, the disclosure pirate, we could get the garden, uh, train conductor or, um, the, oh, yeah. the, you know, I don't know what other like stereotypical garden gnome, the garden, gnome. something gnome related. I actually, yes. I would, with the, the backup for garden or for disclosure pirate was going to be the disclosure leprechaun. Um, so maybe we could have the, the garden <laughs> leprechaun. <laughs> uh, anyway. Bye. Bye. Let me get rain on them.